Do spies exist? It's a question I've asked myself many, many times in the past and a question that I come back to because I wonder, if they do exist, why haven't I been tapped? Hello, I am Frooms and this is Where Are All The Baby Pigeons? A podcast about life's everyday mysteries. My first introduction to spies was in 2001 via the movie Spy Kids. If you're listening to this, I can almost guarantee that you watched Spy Kids as well. But as a refresher, here's what it's about. Two spies have two children, Carmen and Junie, who have no idea their parents are spies, which is confusing because the dad is Antonio Banderas and there's no way that that man is not a spy. I am. Anyway, one day the parents are on a mission and they're captured by enormous evil thumbs called Fugalies. Carmen and Juni then have to learn how to fend for themselves and become spies too. They get submarines and jetpacks and have to fight robots and escape castles and stuff like that. But the coolest bit is that they get a microwave that would magically make McDonald's appear. Oh my God. As a kid watching this, I was like, fuck yeah, get me on that spy lifestyle. And while it's now clear that Fuglies and McMicrowaves don't exist, spies do exist, and I'm still so curious about what is involved in being one. Do they have secret aliases and lead double lives? Do they have high-tech gadgets that we could only ever dream of? And how do you become a spy in the first place? I'm asking for a friend. To get a bit of clarity, I got Antonio Banderas on the line. I am Antonio Banderas. I didn't, but I did speak to Julian Schiller. Julian is a broadcaster working for the ABC and a real-life spy kid whose dad worked for ASIO in the 60s. It's strange because, you know, you people might be thinking, well, how's his dad really a spy if he's allowed to say he's a spy? You know, it's a little bit like Fight Club. But I was working at the project and ASIO, who my dad worked for for about 30 years, you know, they've become very different. They were looking to sort of increase their recruitment. And I'd sort of wanted to do a story, a story on ASIO and they, you know, allowed me to do a story about me and my dad. And um, because of that story and they're using him for promotion, that he, he is now able to publicly admit he's a spy, uh, which, of course, you know, when he signed up, you're never allowed to admit that stuff. So, yes, he is a spy and I, I can say that. <laughs> I can say that with 100% certainty, Lucinda. Did you know that your dad was a spy growing up? No, no, of, of course. He wasn't the, the greeting card salesman or the shoe salesman. What most people who worked for ASIO back then said they worked for the Attorney General's department, you know, so they sort of worked in the, you know, in the law department of Canberra. And Dad had to say that because he worked overseas a bit. So when I was about nine, I went to the UK for four years and dad worked in the Australian embassy. So he, he couldn't say he was, you know, he was selling Tupperware, you know, <laughs> if he's in the embassy. So he, so he worked with, you know, MI5 and MI6 and all the kind of European intelligence agencies. He was sort of the Australian liaison officer, that kind of stuff. Oh my God. So when did he tell you? Like, when did you find out? Well, he didn't. And this is the funny thing with spies, Lucinda, like, you know, it, it seems James Bond, but, you know, it, it can't be because it's real life. So I found, found out, um, remember when, you know, houses had landlines uh, mm-hmm. in the, and often, and you used to do this with your brothers and sisters back in the 80s. If you picked up 
the receiver at the same time as another person, you could just listen in on their conversation. Right, so I used to do that to my sisters all the time when they're on their phone to, to boyfriends and just suddenly interrupt. <laughs> and so that's what happened. Dad got a call from ASIO at work and I was going looking to use the phone at the same time. And so we both picked up and then he, I heard him talking about, you know, some kind of Soviet agent or some interview that was going on. And so, yeah, I put the phone down and said, Wait, you know, well, what's this? Are you, are you a spy? And, and he sort of, he had some excuse, but at that point I kind of knew because I heard the word ASIO mentioned a couple of times. So, yeah, it was simply just picking up the phone at the same time. I'm surprised he didn't get you killed. <laughs> Did your mum know? Yes, yeah, mum knew. But, you know, like like all mums, I don't think she was that impressed i mean dad dad did have a 70s mustache to sort of um to improve the spy credentials and stuff but yes yeah mum mum definitely knew he sort of talks about it now it's 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 kind of quite weird when you when you hear the the sort of things that he, he was doing one of the great stories he tells was there was this hungarian guy who applied to come to australia this is when he was working in london and like the British intelligence services thought that this Hungarian guy used to work for their intelligence service, like he was a, a spy that was trying to defect to the West and get to Australia under an assumed name. And so dad pretended to be like a, you know, like an immigration official interviewing him. And like MI6 said that you'll know it's the guy because he's missing like the end of his little finger on the left hand. <laughs> And, and so dad was, he, he was doing the interview and this guy in the first interview wore gloves and he wore them the whole interview. And so dad had to have another one. And then like he turned the heating up as, as hot, you know, made it as hot. It was like Bikram yoga in the room. <laughs> and this guy again sat through the entire interview wearing like leather gloves and dad eventually had to sort of, you know, thrust his hands to do some sort of clumsy handshake and actually press on the glove to realise that, you know, that he was missing that part of his little finger. So I think the guy did come to Australia, but he had to be interviewed by, you know, intelligence services. So, you know, that's that's the sort of stuff that he'll talk about doing. I'm sure there's a lot more. Do you reckon he killed someone? No, 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 I, I, mm. no. I, I, it's, um, I mean, he worked in Northern Ireland in the 70s, and this is when the IRA and, you know, and British troops and stuff were there. I think he actually, I think he feared for his life a couple of times because, you know, when you're in that part of Northern Ireland, you know, and he was with British agents and stuff, you know, talking to them and, and in their homes and stuff. And, and, you know, these houses were being bombed if they, you know, if the IRA knew that there was a British agent there they would they would bomb the house so i think i think at times he was he was worried he was definitely in danger but yeah no i i doubt i seriously doubt he ever killed someone okay so that's the spy kids interview done now there was only one thing left to do and that was to speak to an actual real life spy Jack Beaumont, which is not his real name, is a retired spy who worked for the French intelligence service up until a few years ago when he quit to spend more time with his wife and kids. He's since written a book called The Frenchman, which is supposedly 99.9% based on his time working at the DSGE, which is the French intelligence service that I spoke of. I wanted to know, what does it take to be a spy? And is it really all it's cracked up to be? 
The reason why I decided to write this book is actually because I was having a, like a kind of PTSD. So I was um, having nightmares and and walking around my house, uh, you know, at 2 a.m., checking every door and every window uh, with a knife in my hand. I wanted to address, uh, you know, in the, in the book, in The Frenchman, the fact that we are usually married with kids. I had to be a spy during the day and then come back home and be a dad and a husband, you know. So what is hard is actually that you're losing a lot of your social uh, life uh, because you're spies, so you, you can't tell anyone. And you have to lie to uh, even your very close friends or your family. So at the end of the day, it's, it's easier not to have friends and not talk to your family. So you end up uh, reducing the risks of being caught with your real name by reducing your, your social life and your social network. So did your wife know you were a spy? Yeah, she knew. Uh, she knew I was working in the DGSE. But she didn't want to know what I was doing exactly. So she considered from the very beginning that it was very dark. Uh, and I had to, uh, to use the, the dark side of my soul. And, uh, and so she didn't want uh, this for herself. So she said, look, that's fine. And do what you have to do. But I, I don't want to know about it. What kind of tests did you have to do to become a spy? Oh, you have uh, the main test to join uh, lasts for almost one year. So it's a one-year test. Uh, so you have a lot of tests. You have psychological tests for sure, uh, medical tests, uh, physical tests. And then you have um, tests on the field where basically they tried to, uh, to assess your, your mental uh, resistance and your um, honesty. So you have to, uh, because you, you will end up being by yourself in various countries and, and doing uh, stuff which is clearly illegal. And uh, so you have to have a, a very strong moral compass. That's what they're trying to assess. Wouldn't you need the opposite of a strong moral compass if you're doing illegal things? Well, if you don't have a very strong moral compass doing those illegal things, because basically you have the, uh, it's not a license to kill, it's a, it's a license to do uh, illegal stuff. Um, and so uh, if you don't have this very strong moral compass, you end up losing yourself quite quickly. And uh, and um, and if you lose yourself, it can have uh, direct consequences, of course, on your country and uh, on the diplomacy and um, the image of your country, but also direct uh, consequences on your family. So it's very important to have uh, to be very stable mentally. And that's why, actually, they are usually looking for uh, guys who are married. You've obviously peeked behind the curtain of how countries operate and secret services and stuff like that. Do you think a lot of cover-ups happen? This this job I did for, for all those years uh, have developed a very high level of uh, paranoia, uh, of course, because you have to be paranoid in this, in this world of intelligence to protect yourself and to protect your family. So you end up seeing the negative things uh, and the bad things everywhere. So I, I'm personally um, thinking always on the, 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 you know, what is what is under the surface and what could have been uh, done or, or hidden, because that's how I was trained and that's how my brain now works, unfortunately, because I've lost a lot of my naivety. What do you think is the biggest misconception about being a spy? It's clearly not uh, James Bond or Jason Bourne. Even if sometimes you have some some moments where you really uh, look back at what you just did, and this could clearly be in a movie, 
jumping by night from a plane or this kind of stuff. But uh, the people doing this job are not uh, bad people or crazy people, or, you know, looking for, for fights or whatever. The, the, the purpose normally to be a spy, of course, is to be undetected and to be uh, invincible. And to do so, you have to, uh, to have, you have to behave normally and you have to have uh, people who are quite uh, invincible naturally or can be invincible naturally. And uh, with a very strong uh, moral compass, as I said, and a very strong uh, stability in their personal life. Uh, if you have someone who is single or divorced, playing with five different identities in different countries, with the other bank accounts and everything, it's very easy to lose yourself and to start uh, developing your own uh, little lives mm. without the service knowing. So it's, it's very dangerous. You have to be uh, uh, quite strong mentally and, and very calm. And uh, of course, uh, not, to be, uh, not to be scared in a very uh, highly uh, dangerous situation. Cool. So you need to be calm, mentally stable, married, have kids and a moral compass, which I think rules me deeply out of this being a spy. <laughs> So what have we learnt, though, about being a spy? We've learnt that being a CEO is far better. The carefree, wheeling-dealing, ladies-man spy character isn't real. The people most likely to be spies are the married ones with kids and the ones that have the moral compasses that make them not very fun at parties. Antonio Banderas is quaking. I am. I'm Frooms, and you've been listening to Where Are All the Baby Pigeons, which is actually just a ruse because I am a real-life spy. No, but you can listen to more of these on Spotify or wherever you get your playlists. Can we keep this in just so people know how hard this was to do today because I'm so tired? I'll start again. I'm Frooms, and this has been Where Are All the Baby Pigeons. If you liked this episode, please send me review up on that Apple podcast lifestyle or just what do you do like a five-star review is that what it is definitely Definitely five stars and listen next week because we'll be dropping another is that all right